Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Today we're going to talk about, and maybe we'll do a couple practices on what is enlightenment. <laughs> what are we doing here anyway, if that's what we've come here for? Maybe it's less stress, maybe it's this pursuit of enlightenment, whatever that is. Um, and for, first of all, I want to preface this talk by, you know, as as teachers, or I like to say sharers, we're told, always stay in your lane. Like, don't talk about something or teach something that you don't know. <laughs> so I hate to break it to you, but I'm not enlightened. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about enlightenment. Um, but from a place that I'll, I'll be coming from is just through the grace of my teachers, especially Mingo Rinpoche, um, I've had just little glimpses into what we call the natural state. So in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, they do something called pointing out. Um, sometimes it's pointing out the Dharmakaya. This is the truth kaya, the truth space, um, the Dharma, truth. And <clears throat> So usually it takes um, quite a bit of, of training and interaction with and relationship building with your teacher. And then they give uh, the pointing out instructions and that takes, there's about a five day retreat there for that. And depending on your karma, you know, it could stick. The pointing out could stick. Um, but for most of us it's fleeting. Um, in my case it was fleeting. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, but anyway, um, I, I received pointing out with Mingo Rinpoche, and even though it was fleeting, it was just enough for me to realize that everything that I thought I knew about enlightenment was completely, completely wrong. Experientially, I found out that it was wrong. <laughs> So in, in those moments, I knew that it had nothing to do with really anything. It had nothing to do with Buddhism. It had nothing to do with the teachings. It had nothing to do with the teacher. It had nothing to do that you know he, he was a monk and in robes. It had nothing to do with with the style of teaching we were getting. We were in the Dzogchen tradition, a non-dual school of Tibetan Buddhism. Had nothing to do with with me. Had nothing to do with me striving for anything. Had nothing to do with my belief system whatsoever. In fact, it was a negation of any kind of beliefs. It had nothing to do with an experience. It was a non-experience. It was a non-experience of experience. If that makes any sense. It had nothing to do with any type of experience. And it wasn't any type of blissful state. It wasn't a state. It was a non-state. It wasn't a state at all. 
There wasn't nothing to be sustained. It was simply like, uh, oh, like that, like, oh, just a way of, of seeing. And, and in that, nothing was separate from that, oh, from that, oh. The walls, the chairs, the floors, everyone in the room. You know, there's probably 15 of us and the teacher. It was like everything was in that state of, oh yeah, right, oh yeah. So I think one of, you know, one of the, uh, the myths for me is that it was a, definitely a state to attain, like a state of blissfulness or something like that, that would continue for a certain amount of time or, or, or something. And there was almost a sadness in it, because there's a, almost a sense of, of loss. But maybe, maybe that was after. And again, this is when the beliefs start up again. Yeah? Because there's definitely a loss of seeking. And for me, I identified myself as a seeker. That's all I knew. I really didn't know myself from my young adult age. I didn't know myself other than a seeker. And I went from seeker to non-seeking. We call it non-seeking mind. I was introduced to non-seeking mind. And I really didn't know what to do with myself. I had come from a, a year-long retreat. And I, I went directly from that to see my teacher. And then I moved back to um, Vajrapani, which was a Tibetan, another Tibetan Buddhist center. But I knew then it was nothing to do with Tibetan Buddhism or any of the teachings. That's, um, those, those are there to be forgotten at the end. Yet, of course, we need all of those teachings to, to, get, us, to get us there, so we can't throw anything out, yeah? at the same time. So it has been said that enlightenment is simply clearly seen without distortion. Clearly seen without distortion. And the distortion is our attachments and aversions, our ignorance. Those are all of our distortions. So maybe maybe we could just sit. Maybe um, maybe get in a t in a meditative posture again. And just do a little exercise. So just seen for a moment, or a few moments, just simply coming into a neck-down experience, or centering into your frame of reference from the neck down, meaning 
all the mind stuff. Not paying much attention to that. Not suppressing it in any way. Not paying much attention to that. No beliefs, no concepts, no thoughts. Just simply noting, without paying attention to those, without feeding them or attaching to them, you're still here. The you, the I, your perception of self. simply becoming aware of that piece of you that you know is existing. Completely separate from what your mind is making up. Does it take any effort whatsoever to be you in this moment? Can you still be you without the story of you, without the things that you like, with the things that you don't like, your opinions? Your attachments, your aversions? Are you still you? Part of the beliefs that, or the thoughts that may be arising is wanting to experience something, wanting to be something. Maybe trying to seek something.
Are you still you beyond this sinking mind? Get a felt sense of this I that is letting the beliefs and concepts come and go. Simply not adding anything whatsoever to your experience. So in a way, you know, the less we talk about this, the better. <laughs> the less concepts, the better. Um, it really amounts to lessening the struggle. You know, this is, if you notice, maybe in your experience, even for a fleeting moment, there's no struggle when there's no seeking. See, there's no struggle there. The, the mind creates dissonance. The mind creates two. The mind creates self another. Right? The mind creates a thought and a thinker. But what's looking is neither. Right? The mind creates this attachment of wanting to go somewhere. But the pure experience of it is that there's nowhere to go. 
there's just here. You're just you're just here. You're just here. That's it. And you're always just here. You're always just here until you want to go somewhere else. You want to be something else. It's like all contrived. Like they said, you know, there's no ego. It's like trying to dig dig, dig yourself out of a ditch when there's no ditch. But this is like the, oh, this is like saying, oh yeah, there's no ditch. See, the ditch itself is contrived. It's, it's, it's conceptual. So we make, we make up a ditch and then we strive to get out of it. So when we sit with ourselves, we notice that everything's already here. And that cannot be something of a mental state. There's infinite mental states. And they're all shifting and changing. They're all impermanent. This is delusion. This is ignorance. Striving for some, to gain happiness and contentment from something that is fleeting, that's ignorance. That can never be sustainable. So therefore, even striving for a mystical experience is, is delusion. What we're, what we're looking for is it cannot be something that comes and goes. But if we look at our awareness, our awareness is always hanging out, waiting for us to check back in. Look at Every time you check back in, is your awareness still there? Hanging out, completely neutral, no attachment, no aversion, no accepting, no rejecting. It's just present. Yet are we present of presence? That's the question. We leave it. Every moment we leave it. We jump out of ourself into a thought or a belief or a concept. We jump away from it. You notice that to keep taking steps back, you find you're more and more at home and centered. The more we fall outward, we fall into thoughts and beliefs and then external things and imputation. Yeah? But the more we keep taking steps back, the more unified everything becomes. Yeah? And so it starts with this idea of self that needs to get something or to go somewhere. So this is very the very root. And so if we could look at this this made-up, um, fixed version of self. If we could look at that deeply, then we could have a chance to unravel. So um, we're going to go back into a meditation. Um, this we just did. A few of us were already were here on Wednesday, but as I was preparing for this talk. I thought this meditation is perfect for this talk too. <laughs> so I'm repurposing it, um, <laughs> recycling. And this is a beautiful meditation that um, Venerable Tenzin Chogi um, created. And, and it's really, really wonderful. And it's about how, and, and she recommends this as a practice to keep doing this over and over again. And she says it's, you know, like layers of an onion. We just keep peeling it back, peeling it up, peeling it back. But this is a wonderful 
experiential meditation on how we construct the self instead of maybe talking about the aggregates and you know how we kind of identify with different pieces this is an experiential meditation on how we kind of layer on top of what maybe has very little substantiality we layer up and then create a self-concept and then by looking at this we could obviously see how we do this with others and things in our in our life um, and so like as we're talking about before we start the um, this is the opposite of just bare natural awareness why well, they call it the natural state the natural state it means before you mess with it <laughs> before you mess with it it's natural right when you mess with it, it becomes artificial. We saw like the artificial flavoring, right? Or artificial food. But natural food, you don't mess with it. It's just on its own and naturally arises. Our natural state arises in that way. And then if we mess with it, yeah, which is good news because that means that if we're the ones playing with it, then that means we can just simply not... <laughs> And, and recognize what's already there waiting for us to see. Yeah. Let's stand up for just a moment. Just for you to sit. So brighten up your minds for this meditation. It's a lazy Sunday morning. But it's sometimes um, it's sometimes nice to cultivate that effort before we start a meditation. Because remember, once we close our eyes, you can do anything you want. You can plan the rest of your day, just whatever, you know, well, I came to meditation, so I'm good, you know, uh, whatever, but we might miss something really neat, or, and it, you know, so um, take advantage <laughs> of our time together, it's very precious. So allowing your eyes to close. Noting awareness itself. It's this piece of you that knows that you're alive, that you're breathing, that you're in this room with fellow awesome people. It knows that you're here, truly here.
Then next, allow the feeling of I to arise. The sense of I. And if you need some help allowing that to arise, you could maybe remember the last time that you felt a stronger emotion. <coughs> maybe you felt a bit unjustified or uh, you felt justified or maybe verbally hurt in some way. What part of you was hurting or felt attacked in some way. This is also what would arise if you could visualize yourself leaning over a cliff very high up. If you leaned over, that eye would arise. What you need to protect would arise. And just note, generally speaking, what is your concept of self? This feeling, this felt sense of identity. When you think me or I, what kind of images or feelings arise? How do you seem to exist to yourself? What are some of the characteristics of this sense of identity that you have, your self-concept? Some of the characteristics, do you find yourself a happy person, strong person, whatever characteristics that you see arising? Noticing some may be positive, some may be negative. That's okay, just allowing them to arise.
do you think that any of these ideas about who you are may have come from others' ideas about you? Or maybe your parents' ideas about you when you were growing up? Or where you fit into the family structure? Do you think any ideas about yourself may have come from teachers or friends? When you were growing up, others' points of view of you. Your partner, your children, your current friends. How many ideas about yourself are determined by your gender, your culture, your culture's expectations? The ideas about yourself conditioned by your personality traits or your habits. Do you think any of these ideas about who you are may have been set or fixed from a certain incident that happened in the past that is no longer relevant? Taking note and looking, is there 
a possibility that you are exaggerating some quality that could be distorting your view of yourself. In a way, passing the baton to the next moment, carrying along an idea of yourself that may not be true. Now imagine what it would be like if each moment were fresh, if your idea of yourself was fluid, if every moment of perception were new, if you didn't carry around this fixed concept that may be inaccurate. What if each moment were fresh? If your idea of yourself was fluid, how might your dissatisfaction diminish if you could do this? From here, can you imagine that you could transform into someone with qualities that you aspire to, to develop your wisdom and compassion? To what extent is your human potential? What is possible without the constructs that you have put upon yourself? From here on, try to challenge your limitations to the constructed idea of what you're capable of.
So I definitely want to um, kind of more to discuss more from your experience of that, but just to kind of outline as a review of this construct of self to, to notice, you know, first of all, this sense of I. That when we first check in, is just pure, right? It's just a sense, I-ness, I am, in and of itself. And then to just to let, just look as an experiment, like, okay, out of this this pure sense of I, what has been put on top of that? What do we believe about that I? And where did that come from? How was that constructed over the years? And what pieces did I grab onto? We've all might have been told, I love you, I hate you, you're awesome, you're not you're nice, you're not so nice. What have we what have we grabbed onto? Out of all of the all of the options, if you will. <laughs> yeah? What have what what has stuck? And maybe why? What are the impactful things that made it stick? And and those others' concepts are uh, our culture, our gender. So interesting, and that's how we perceive our actual self. And then to note that all of those things are interdependent; they depend on other people's views, and they're all impermanent, like like everything. And so, what if our perception of self? is fluid like reality is fluid and I think that this is very important to note especially when we make a self-concept felt self-concept that says I can't be enlightened <laughs> enlightenment is for the Buddhas the Krishnas the Christ or that person over there or over, you know that that's not for me. I'm you know I'm here or whatever. Like awakening to our our true potential, but we really can't awaken to our true potential if we've already put ourselves in this box of maybe next lifetime if you believe in reincarnation or something. Maybe next one. But of course, all the factors of awakening are already present already here. That's actually our delusion. Our delusion is that we're not already what we're seeking. That's our delusion. We have, I think it would be fun, even though we're a larger group, um, it would be fun to get in smaller groups, maybe no, no bigger than four. Um, yeah, no larger than four, and just see what came up for you. Remember, no cross-talking, which is just stay within your experience of the exercise. You could share as much or as little as you'd like, uh, but it's so helpful to share other or each other's. So helpful, helpful to share to one another our experience. Um, so yeah, you could just turn to one another. No group larger than four. So we have a few minutes. Um, does it, anyone want to share with the larger group 
uh, what came up for you. I just had an interesting thought when you were, the first time you were going through it, you were eliminating the thoughts and you were going to be more embodied. And then I thought, let's take it one step further and let's remove the thoughts and the body and just sit with the soul. Is that what you thought? shapeshift hates to be annihilated always remember that it loves to shapeshift the enlightened view it doesn't mind that it wants to be like a different version an enlightened version or whatever you know but the annihilation process of just sitting doesn't like it you know. it's, it's funny because uh, when your mind calms down and, and settles as you're meditating, then you have the thought, oh, my mind is so peaceful. <laughs> it's peaceful except for the pride of, of your mind is peaceful. And, and the yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, uh, the temptress is always there. Yeah. Thank you. I like how you said, imagine a cook when you said, sensing I, who you are. I like uh, how you said, Imagine a cliff and you move forward and what is that you want to protect? That helped me to get that sense and grasp it before I couldn't and when you mm-hmm. said that helped me. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. It was interesting to <laughs> try to be aware of <laughs> myself. <laughs> like who am I? Um, because I couldn't, mm. meaning there was a sense when I was not thinking, I was just focusing on breathing and I was aware of the sense, but as soon as I would try to think about it, like, okay, what is it? <laughs> how do I, how, how do I put this in words or anything? It's just, it just can't. Mm. And, um, and I kept trying to do that <laughs> and it just couldn't. Like, as if that sense is really not really related to the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting, but it was much easier to define that arising I um, and whatever film I'm in at this time in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting exercise. Thank you. <laughs> When you, when you just said to go to the eye, I felt I had a felt sense of the eye, mm-hmm. and it was uh, a longing. So uh, a, a longing, a longing, a longing, mm-hmm. and uh, then it, and, you know, of course, the, the <coughs> language that accompanied that kind of informed me on what that's from. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you.
someone from over here? Yeah, I just, you know, to me the whole concept of trust came up and trusting mm -hmm. that whatever the I is, is okay, you know, mm -hmm. and um, trusting, I, I don't trust myself at all, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have that, you know, yeah. trusting that it's okay where I'm at right now, what I'm doing, you know, what I am, what my concept is, mm -hmm. and I, I think that that's a, like a big part for me. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, I think there was a part where you were mentioning about, about like what's beyond the labels like that we have. Um, and then so you're you were kinda of guiding us to look beyond like past it, um, or asking who are we without those labels. Um, and so I was thinking of the labels that I, you know, that I have for myself or that I've heard people place for myself and then going to like letting go of those labels and and then I, I was, there was a moment where I felt a sense of, of loss and then also of, um, well then who am I? <laughs> like mm -hmm. if I let go of these labels then, then who am I? And there was like a space there. Um, and then I think because it's new for me, or just like mm -hmm. the idea of just kind of getting to that place, there's a sense of um, like fear also, mm -hmm. like like in grasping, like, mm -hmm. well, wait a minute, if I'm not those labels, then mm -hmm. like, I, like I need those labels, mm -hmm. you know, to have a sense of who I am. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you, when that comes up, then what am I? One thing, experience the answer. Right. What am I without my thoughts? Just, just experience the answer of that, right? And so we're, we're holding both. We're holding the relative aspect of ourself, like we're, you know, a college degree, like we're our profession, we're female, we're this age, whatever. Yeah? And then you're holding the ultimate aspect, Right? So the, the answer on a relative level would be, you're more. Like, what am I? Well, I'm more. But that moreness is an experience, right? So experience that answer. And then when that fear arises, we can only go as far as love will take us. Yeah? Fear is this misdirected love. Yeah? So when we feel like there's something that we need to grasp onto, allow this... this loving kindness to arise. Try to hold yourself in that. Yeah, like a mother with a child, hold yourself in that. And see if that holding yourself in that love can allow you to stay with what might feel a little bit ungroundedness in a moment. But that love will become the grounds. So like hold it in. Like allow yourself to be held like that. And experience the answer. What am I? You know, I find that I aspire. I aspire to things. I aspire to a way of thinking and living. Uh, you know, I, I recognize that I have the seeds of everything in me, but I try to, you know, as it's been said, I try to water the seeds that I, I want to manifest. Mm -hmm. So, it, so my eye is really kind of a is, is, is trying to pay attention to. To, to my to my my actions and then and then, and then try to 
just to manifest those aspirations. Mm-hmm. And when I frequently don't, then at least make an appropriate apology. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. And thank you for bringing that aspect up. You know, because when we talk about just resting, we already are what we're seeking or whatnot. And it doesn't mean on a relative level, like we have relative bodhicitta, this aspiration to reach enlightenment for the benefit of all beings, and then ultimate bodhicitta, which is the realization of that. So there is this sense of striving, but this striving is, is with the, the knowledge of impermanence and interdependence and that everything's empty of inherent existence. You know, so it's, it's this coming from this place of wisdom and not delusion that we practice our intention, yeah? And so we could always be free because just our intention alone in that moment-to-moment action will already attain the goal, yeah? So then we could have this amazing resilience. So we have passion but not attachment. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.